This is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today I am joined by indie pop artist Olga Solar. Olga, welcome to 2SER. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat to you. I would like to know what you bought at Wild Horse Guitars. Oh, I see you've been on my Instagram. I've been Um, on the internet. Very good. Okay, so uh, I didn't actually buy anything yet. Um, I went to try a mandolin. And uh, the reason I, I went to try mandolin is because I play violin, and violins and mandolins have the same tuning, C, uh, G, D, A, E, um, and basically I want a mandolin so that I can play an instrument in my band because I don't really want to play a violin in my band um, because, I don't know, I just because I've grown up playing violin, I a little bit cringe at violins and bands. And I know that that's just me and people love violins and violins and bands. Um, but I just want to kind of transfer my violin skills and the shapes my hands are used to into an instrument that's more like uh, band friendly, in my opinion. And something that you understand the tuning of really well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And because I, I play guitar a little bit. But um, just like my hand isn't used to the shapes, the chord shapes and all that. So I just want something I'm more comfortable with. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the concept of playing a chord Mm. in using a violin because you have a bow is fundamentally different to a mandolin. I haven't played either, so I'm not an expert on the topic. (laughs) But I assume with a mandolin, you're more strumming like with a pick, basically. You are. um, You can play chords in violin as well. but it is a melodic instrument more so than a harmonic instrument. Mm. Um, and I guess, I, I guess I'm melodically minded as well a little bit. I, I'm better at playing melodies um, than chords. It's just like where my music is rooted. But I think um, having a mandolin just like gives me a bit of flexibility to branch out. And actually what I've done, I've ordered an electric mandolin online. You are answering my questions before I ask them. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's I'm just a, really excited you about get, it. I know. Oh, man, I would really love to try yeah. an electric mandolin. Yeah, you can. So you didn't get it from Wild Horse Guitars. I didn't. They don't have one. But they have... It's a beautiful store. It is a beautiful store. I, will, I mean, I've never been to the store, but I go on the website a lot. It's because, got a, But it's a lot of really high quality yeah, guitars. And really nice, colorful ones as well. <clears> um, <throat> not that that matters. It's all about the sound. <laughs> but, you know, a bit of aesthetic as but well. But they had acoustic mandolins. That, they did, did have acoustic. Did you have a plate? I did. I did. Because okay. I wanted to be able to feel what it feel, feels like. Because mm. um, there really don't seem to be any electric mandolins available in Australia. I feel like I'm, like, ordering the first ever electric mandolin that's <laughs> set foot in Australia. I think you're going to confuse someone in customs. Yeah. The hell is this? Yeah. Like, you plug so it in? As well. It's just like a, it's funny, it looks a bit like a shrunken bass guitar. Um, just like it's okay. design. So I think, if, yeah, someone's going to be confused. Right. Yeah. So there's heaps of electric mandolins you could buy. Yeah. Why did you buy the one that you bought? Um, well, the thing is, so the reason I got an electric mandolin in the first place is because I want to 
uh, Fain being rock and roll, um, as I mentioned before, with the tuning of the violin, but um, an electric mandolin actually sounds much like an electric guitar. Um, And I've read a lot of forums online and a lot of people are like, why, what's the point of an electric mandolin if it just sounds like an electric guitar? And other people, a lot of people agree and other people are like, it's a chance for a violinist to branch out into another genre. And that's what I am totally feeling um, is the benefit of this purchase. Um, and yeah, the I guess I got this one because they had a little sound sample um, and I really liked how it sounded. Sounds very, um, not like an intense kind of guitar sound, but a little bit like muted, a little bit warm. And I, yeah, it was a nice sound. Okay. Affordable, etc. Sure. So I think, yeah, <clears throat> just a, a first instrument to give a go. It's interesting you say warm because I would... If I had to say the difference, I would say it has a jangle to it that is maybe not r- replicable on an electric guitar. Uh, an electric mandolin has a jangle or an acoustic mandolin? An electric mandolin. Interesting. It. I f- actually agree because I've s- listened to a lot of YouTube um, electric mandolin You've been down that, I've, that rabbit hole. <laughs> I've gone, honestly, I've done so much research. Um, and this one... <clears throat> I think sounds not like any of those, which I think is why it was really interesting to me. But there's a whole nother level. Yeah. Because when you have an electric mandolin, you have one million guitar pedals that you can use, right? Yeah, that's going to open a whole other world to me that I have not yet explored. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for one more research-based video, so there's a guy in the US called Rainwolf. Yes. And he's a really like heavy blues rock yeah. was a one piece he like played the drums and everything at once yeah. but now he plays in a band and he did a cover of The Chain by Fleetwood Mac okay yeah on KEXP mm-hmm. on the radio show like he did it live and he played an electric mandolin oh. and he had these gnarly pedals is the only way to describe the yeah. tone yeah really heavy like octave fuzz pedals yeah. that he played through yeah. and it's like another world yeah, I'm going to mm. check that out now that you've mentioned it because it's hard to come across those kinds of performances when you're looking up electric mandolin because it's not like that's in the search terms. Like you want to see it applied to like a band To rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the, the suggestion. I am very much looking forward to seeing you play <laughs> an electric mandolin. So yes. was that your first drum of a mandolin when you went to the shop? It was maybe my third strum of a mandolin. Um it's yeah, it feels much the same as a violin. It's got frets which violins don't mm-hmm. and the fingerboard is flatter whereas the violin one is curved. Um so yeah, um I guess I'm yeah, getting trying to get my hands on as much mandolin as I can just to get my head around it cuz I don't own one. I don't know anyone who owns one, I don't think. Mm. Um thank you Wild Horse for yeah. allowing me. <laughs> A little bit of a plug for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, I remember, I mean, I play guitar. Yeah. I play for a long time. Yeah. But I'm a relative newcomer to open tunings. hmm And when I, I have this like classical nylon string guitar that I got when I was a kid. Yeah. And I played it for like 12 years mm-hmm. before I tuned it to open D. And it was, I had this weird thing where I kind of felt it was like it became, and it got this new personality. Yeah. It was this instrument that I was very aware of and just knew it really well. I'd played it every day for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was a different tool. Yeah. I think, um, 
Yeah, interesting you say that because before I purchased the mandolin, someone suggested to me, why don't you just tune your electric guitar like a violin? And I'm like, that's not something I've considered before and a very good idea. I the, the thing I like about the mandolin is that it's smaller as well, which is manageable for me. Um, but I think, yeah, um, tuning an electric guitar like a violin would open up sound opportunities. And G, It starts with G though, is it? G-D-A-E? Uh, G-D-A-E. I should mention that the electric mandolin I've ordered is five string, so it's got an extra C on the bottom. Oh, right. Okay. a little okay. bit exciting, just for an extra bit of low register. So, okay. That's kind <laughs> of getting like closer I'm... to a guitar then? Uh, it is, but a guitar's tuned uh, fourths apart and a violin's tuned fifths apart. Okay. And I find that that makes all the difference. Just because I've played violin for so long and I'm so comfortable with the tuning, I can improvise on it. Mm. Um, and that makes playing on a violin or mandolin. Um, I kind of want to make use of what I've spent all of these years learning rather than starting completely from, not completely from the bottom, but somewhat from the bottom with a guitar. Sure. Yeah. And it's always, I think it's always very interesting seeing a clashing of worlds. Yeah. You have this experience in a very different world, so bringing that with a new instrument into, I guess, indie pop. I mean, we don't want to put it in one small container, but Mm. yeah. You sweet talk something, I'll tell you one thing. You're just a showman, a serial charmer. I'll disarm you before you strike again. What's your business? Signing off with kisses. I mean, we've been talking about your violin. Mm-hmm. So you were, you've got a lot of experience playing violin in pit orchestras, basically. Yeah, um, all sorts of things, really, like uh, theatre, um, which I guess is, yeah, pit orchestras in theatre productions. Uh, I've done, like, a bit of recordings for short films and stuff. Um, played in all sorts of, like, little ensembles and projects. I guess I've just, i played violin since I was, like, three. So just, like... There have been a number of projects along the way mm. um, that I played in, and violin was like always the core of the musical person that I was. Um, and so, yeah, now I've kind of decided to branch out a little bit um, just because I think um, I'm actually not sure. I think I've just always wanted to sing and songwrite, and why not do it? now because <laughs> yeah. yeah when we were off air you said you, you've been doing kind of this endeavor for a, a long relatively new-ish time yeah yeah but there must have i'm interested in the transition yeah. whether it was an abrupt i'm playing violin to ah i want to do indie pop or whether it's like a gradual thought that keeps coming back to the back of your mind yeah it was something that was at the back of my mind for years probably um but happened quite um, impulsively, I signed up for a fringe show. Um, I think on the last day of the the applications um, that the ap- applications were due, and um, I just put any any old thing down. And I was like, "All right, this will be my deadline to get something ready in three months when the show is when the date for the show is that I've set." Um, and it actually pushed me to actually get it done. I tend to have to set myself deadlines to get things done. Um, and that was the one that kind of set off this solo act, I guess. I think kind of being an instrumental musician 
versus like a singer-songwriter, kind of two different musical personalities in a way. So um, for a long time, I was a bit nervous about branching out into that more like uh, kind of extroverted, I don't know if you want to call it that, like the kind of front person type musician rather than the behind the scenes musician. You're in the spotlight. It's two very different worlds Mm. uh, or two very different perspectives on one world. Um, So I was just a little bit nervous about making that transition. But I think once you do, once I did, I realized that it was kind of silly to think that the first audience I performed in front of were my family and friends. And obviously they were really nice and supportive um, as they would be. And yeah, I think it, it just took that initial first step to kind of unleash the rest. That's, that's when it was born. <laughs> and yeah, I've just been um, writing and recording ever since, which, so that was probably about two years ago now, mm. that first show. Well, speaking of unleashing Olga Solo music into the world, yes. it's the 14th of November today Woo-hoo! on the release day. So your single, newest single came out last week. Yes. It is called Actor. It is. I would like to have a listen to it now. Let's have a listen. And then we'll come back and have a bit more of a chat. Sounds good. New single, Olga Sola. This is Actor. It's morning, you're checking on me. You're restless, your pictures are speaking. The silence of nighttime doesn't love you like the rest of us. You're rich, you're lonely The clouds are dissolving above us Insistence, there's meaning for the worst You want us with a shrill voice There's an eye behind the cumulus They're in control, you're serious Pretending we're not like 
was a very new track called Acta by Olga Sola. I've, I was getting kind of a 80s vibe, really heavy synth. And I could kind of hear in my head that that would, could also be translated to like a really heavy cover version. Oh, That's kind of what I was hearing. Like not quite yeah. metal, but like a heavy rock. Oh, I'd be so curious to hear that. Yeah, wow. I had not considered that at all. The thing that's probably different in this track the most to me is that um, the, I guess in my previous songs, my voice was like at the fore, which it is in this song as well, but I've, um, there are a bunch of like little hums and stuff in the background, which um, I also recorded, but like at home in my bedroom. And I think that just means that the sound, that kind of, has like a slightly different texture to what the studio um, recordings sound like. So there's mm. this nice kind of like ambient something else. I think texture there. is the right yeah. word. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I think I've, I've, I was excited to use my voice in a kind of backgroundy way. Mm. Um, just a bit different. So how close is that studio recording to what the live performance will be? Yeah, uh, I um, I have programmed the little hums that I've recorded in my bedroom uh, into a MIDI controller, so okay. um, that's covered. And then pretty much everything else, um, as you hear it, I've got um, all the same musicians that played on the studio recording playing with me on stage. So got it all covered. The whole orchestra's there. And is <laughs> yeah. the <laughs> is this leading to? So this is a new single. Yes, you had two singles from the previous EP. Yes, this is a brand new single. Mm-hmm. Is this leading to a body of work or is that yet to be determined? Uh, it's yet to be determined. Um, I think maybe another couple of singles next year before launching it into another big body of work. Just because that is so... It's a big project, um, both uh, in terms of getting it all together and financially. And um, I don't know, I think at, at like the early stages of making music, it's hard to get you know, people to listen to one song, let alone 10. <laughs> so I'm going to keep keep my projects bite-sized for okay. the moment. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this launch that's happening. Yes. On the 14th of November. 14th of November. Today. Woo. Yeah. Um, it's a co-headline single launch. So I've partnered up with another great artist called Featherstone. Um, she's a pop artist, um, actually another, uh, another, uh, also a multi-talented artist. Uh, she has a jazz background, I believe, and, um, has also branched out into kind of poppy type things. Um, so we're going to be co-headlining. We're both launching singles. Her single's called Jackson. Mine is called Actor. Um, it'll be a really fun night at 5.05 on, in Surrey Hills on Cleveland Street. So yeah, it should be should be good fun. And will we see an electric mandolin? Not today. Okay. Because it's yet to arrive <laughs> sure. in America. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, but in the future, um, because at the moment I don't really play an instrument in my band. Um, and this is where I hope the electric mandolin will slot in. I wonder how, we'll have to do another episode in like a year. Yeah. And see. <laughs> where are they now? The yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll have to see. The effect of purchasing an electric mandolin on the songwriting process. Yes, I'm very curious. I think it'll be an interesting. Um, it'll have an interesting effect on the songwriting process because um, I don't know if you've seen like the 
uh, MIDI controllers that are that have all the square buttons. And it's like a four by four grid. Is it um, like a drum machine pad where you press the thing? Yeah, yeah. They, they, there are a few different models that like incorporate both both of those. Um, but essentially, like the four by four square sixteen buttons. Um, you can program like a chromatic scale into them, like on oh. a piano. But what's interesting is that um, having it in a four by four grid as compared to the piano layout just forces you to play different kind of shapes and um, combinations of notes. Like if you were to, if the chromatic scale goes across and you play all of the buttons in the left column, it plays like, you know, a chord that you maybe wouldn't think to play on a piano because mm. like you've, you've traditionally your fingers don't kind of make those chord shapes so having like a kind of instrument that lays out the tonal alphabet in a different way makes you do different things which it's like is a different exciting. it's spatially different yeah exactly. all the notes are there physically different yeah but your brain has to think in a different way yeah or two dimensions exactly or your brain can even think in the same way but um the the tool you have is gonna interpret it differently mm. and then you're you're left with something different, something new. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Can we talk about uh, writing musical theatre? <laughs> sure. When did you start doing that? Um, I uh, first got involved in the musical theatre world when I started uni. Um, it was just a way to make friends. Uh, and I know that I always wanted to do musicals in high school and all these other schools were always doing them and my school wasn't doing them so much. Okay. So I was really craving it. Um, and I guess, yeah, I was involved in the musical theatre society at my uni and I music directed a bunch and arranged a bunch of musicals as well, like classical ones and adapted them to modern genres. And, um, and then, yeah, um... A friend from uni had written a script, a libretto for a musical and lyrics, um, and um, I put some music to it. And initially, it was just a little um, project that was put on put on by a bunch of uni students um, and friends. And then um, we submitted it to this program called New Musicals Australia, and it made it to the final round and got staged professionally, um, which was pretty cool. It was a very very cool, actually, um, a very good opportunity and I'm very grateful for it. I don't know if musical theatre is really my calling or something. Um, I think I, I think in the context of musicals, music plays a kind of secondary kind of supportive role, whereas music is kind of the thing that I'm interested in the most. So I want it to be at the front. Mm. So yeah, I think um, in the context of the music world rather than the musical theatre world, music has a chance to be a lot more interesting. So you don't have a yearning to dip dip your toe back into that world? I might down the track, but um I think I'd have to I think I'd have to like break some musical theatre rules or something. I think I couldn't write a musical that's like a very traditional musical. Like that sounds I'd great. Have to do something weird. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. I'm definitely interested in music and theatre. But musical theatre in the traditional sense has a lot of formulas that I think that world hasn't broken out of too much. But I think is getting there. Mm. But slowly, I think. <laughs> it doesn't really matter anyway. It's probably both And I'll give it a rest. Then I'll make this mistake.
It's time for the segment, Tell Me a Thing, where I have a list of seven topics, and I ask you to discuss one of them. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, politics, punk rock, Patti Smith, death, and poetry. Olga, can you please tell me a thing? Now, I'd just like to preface this by saying that it, this was chosen by a process of elimination. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a great process. <laughs> I feel like we've, we've covered musical equipment. I don't want to go back into mandolins. Recording. Mm, okay, so I'm going to go with death. I don't want to, I don't want to make this too dark, though. Death. Mm. Well, uh, a thing that I find kind of interesting um when people die there was a point maybe a few years ago where a few kind of people that I a few people passed away kind of in a short period of time um and it's kind of interesting to see um it's very lovely that kind of outpouring of grief on social media and stuff and but it kind of makes me sad because I wish people uh not outpouring of grief uh, sort of um you know elevating people not el- What's the word I'm Like an appreciation. Like appreciating, yeah. Mm. Saying all the best things about someone after they die. And I'm kind of like, oh, I wish I wish you could say this to the person while they're still alive. Mm. Um, I thought of that too as well. Yeah. About like famous people. Totally. When a famous musician dies, we listen to the music all the time. Yeah. It's on the radio. Why didn't you listen to it? Before? I mean, you did, but you know, there's like a resurgence. Um, but yeah, I, 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 think, I think maybe that's... I mean, not that I practice what I preach, but I often think I thought in that moment that I wished I said or thought these things about that person, you know, to their face mm. while they were still around. And then, yeah, why do we save all our beautiful kind of words and stuff for when the person isn't around anymore? I wonder if it's exacerbated by social media because yeah. the outpouring is kind of. I guess it's amplified, right? Yeah. The bigger audience for it. Totally. Yeah. It's kind of an analytical way to think about grieving, but For sure. Yeah. And you know, people um do just want to share how much they admired someone and still do. Um But yeah, that that got me thinking. I think I've even got a song about that in the works. Oh right. <laughs> so I won't share too much. No, we don't um, want to know the secrets. <laughs> yes. We we'll yes. just have to watch this space. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But mm, death is weird. It is. It is very weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it's interesting that we chat about it. Yeah, totally. And I think you raise a point that probably a lot of people are thinking about. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that until maybe like three years ago when there was a whole, I mean, there's a lot of musical celebrities passed away yeah. over the last couple of years. Yeah. And it seems like every week we have a tribute week. Yeah. We should totally. listen to their music more yeah. all the time. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's nothing bad about there being a resurgence um, in that moment. But yeah, you just wish it were all the time. Mm. But I guess there's only so much time in the world to listen to everything. That's and true. appreciate everyone. We have a finite time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Olga. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on Women Who Rock. Unfortunately, our time has run out, but it's all good. <laughs> it was really lovely to chat to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. I had a great time. Women Who 
Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do As We Are 107.3. We're pretending we're not like this in real